Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel in chapter 18. And last week we started looking at verses 5 through 20, which is labeled, or we've titled the point, Laws Governing the Righteous and the Wicked. But that's what we find in going down through these verses. As I said, we started that last week, and the first one was it found in verse 5, was governing the laws of God governing the righteous. That is, those who are truly righteous, those who are truly just, those who have experienced repentance and faith. God's grace has been extended to them. He gave them repentance and faith. And because they truly are righteous, truly have been justified, their life manifested that. The lives which they live manifested that. And as we went down through uh, those verses, we saw that the things which the wicked do, the things which they used to do, they no longer do. But now they abide by God's word. They seek to praise him. They seek to bring honor and glory and praise to his name. But now... That is a righteous man. But now we come to a section where, in verses 10 through 13, where that righteous man begets a son. Let's read those verses. Beginning with verse 10. If he beget a son, that is, the righteous man, the one who is truly righteous, he beget a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood, and that doeth the like to any one of these things, and that doeth not any of those duties, but even hath eaten upon the mountains, and defiled his neighbor's wife, hath oppressed the poor and needy, hath spoiled by violence, hath not restored the pledge, and hath lifted up his eyes to the idols, hath committed abomination, hath given forth upon usury, and hath taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live. He hath done all these abomin abominations. 
he shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. Our children, just because we are righteous, just because God has in his grace and mercy saved us, regenerated us, made us righteous in Christ Jesus, doesn't guarantee that the children that we bear and raise will be righteous as the example that we have here in this passage of Scripture. We see here in this example that we have before us that this son whom the righteous man bear, beget, he lives a wicked life. He lives the opposite of his father. And for the sake of discussion, shall we say he lives the opposite kind of life of his father and his mother. He is not righteous. He's wicked. He is evil. Let's see how wicked he is. We seen last week that that righteous man, that one who was truly righteous, he turned from all these things. But his son, who's unsaved, his son who is yet in his wickedness, has not. In fact, the indication here in this passage of Scripture is that, that he lives his whole life in wickedness and he goes to the grave yet being in wickedness, never having come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see here that this, this child, this son, who grows into adulthood at some point in time, but maybe even before he becomes an adult, he is a robber. That is, he steals from people, according to what we read there in verse 10. Uh, if he beget a son, that is a robber. That, is, that, that son grows up to be a robber, to be a thief. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians in chapter 4. And look with me at verse 28. A verse that we had looked at and studied not too awfully long ago. It's been a while now, but, but we probably remember it. Verse 28 of chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, Let him that stole steal no more. In other words, in time past, this is written to, to save people at Ephesus, church members, and if you were beforehand, if you were a thief, if you were a robber, 
Let him that stole steal no more. You're a Christian now. You're saved. You're, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You ain't ought to steal anymore. But we see here this son whom this righteous father begets, he is a robber. He's a thief. And he's never ceased from that thievery because he's not been born again. He's not been saved. He's not righteous. <laughs> he is wicked. Not only is he a robber, but possibly he's a murderer also, according to our text verse. He commits he commits murder. He sheds blood. He sheds innocent blood. Which was contrary to the law of God. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew in chapter 5. And look with me in this passage of Scripture, verse 21. You see, we <laughs> we are told, and, and, and the, the thought was there in the Old Testament law as well. Let's read verse 21 of chapter 5 of Matthew. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Well, yeah, that was the law. And in the Pharisees and in the people of Jesus' day were, were thinking that as long as they didn't kill somebody, they were okay. Because they didn't commit the actual act of murder. But let's see what the intent of the law was. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Rekha shall be in danger of the counsel. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Well, what is the, what is the background of the law? What, what is the intent of the law? Listen. The, the intent of the law goes to the attitude of, of the heart, the attitude of the mind. Where does, where does murder stem from? Doesn't it stem because we, we got angry without a cause? Doesn't it stem from the fact that, that we, we, we hate our brother or our fellow man, our neighbor? So what was being pointed out to these Pharisees is they were overlooking the intent of the law. The law didn't just govern the act, but it governed that which was in the heart and proceeded forth into the act. And Jesus deals with that a couple uh, in 
about three of the Gospels, at least Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, that which proceedeth forth from the heart is that which defileth the man. And then he lists all these, well, we would say horrible sins. Not only is this individual possibly a thief and a murderer, but he worships false gods. Going, remember last week that going up onto the mountaintop and eating was, 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 he was talking about going up on the mountaintop to offer sacrifices unto their false gods and then to eat the sacrifice thereof. It was idolatry. They were guilty of. That's in our text in verse 11. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians in chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. We read these words. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness or covetousness let it not be one's named among you as become a saint or covetousness which is idolatry. Turn with me to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians in chapter 3. And verse 5. The exhortation here is to those of us who have, in fact, been risen by Christ. We are to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Verse 5, we're to mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. <laughs> this this son of this righteous father is an idolater. Turn with me back to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus in chapter 20. In verse 17. Thou shalt not covet. We could stop right there, couldn't we? Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. 
if you allow me a little bit here, let's go up a few verses here. Verse 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Where does that stem from? That stems from covetousness. Which is idolatry. Thou shalt not steal. If a man is poor and he's hungry, that's one thing. If he steals food so that he can continue to live, But where does thievery, where does robbing stem from in general? Does it not stem from covetousness? I see, I want, <laughs> and I take. It's idolatry. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. What would what would cause what causes an individual to bear false witness against another individual? Is it not is it not jealousy? Which it a form of covetousness? Is it not idolatry? We see this wicked son of the righteous father worship false gods. He was an idolater. In all Probability, idolatry is covetousness. Covetousness is idolatry. You know, in worshiping of false gods, they were they were coveting something other than what God had commanded them to worship. They were coveting to be like the other nations round about them. They were coveting that which they had not ought to have. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 13. In verse 5, the admonition to the saved, the admonition to the righteous. And the righteous seek not to be covetous. Because they love the Lord. They love the Lord Jesus Christ. 
They recognize that He is their provider. That all that they have comes from Him. And when we have need, He provides, and He provides abundantly. Look at verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Let your manner of life, your deportment, the life which you live, let it be without covetousness. Let it be without idolatry. And be content with such things as you have. How, you say, well, how can I be content with the things I have? I'm not getting everything I want. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And if he does not leave us or forsake us, he knows every time we have a need, a need, and not a want. And when we have need, he fills that need. He supplies that need for us. But now the wicked, they don't recognize that. And so they covet things that they don't have. And the sad thing is, they get, many of them get more and more and covet more and more. There's no end to it. It's idolatry, it's wickedness. It's an abomination in the eyes of God. Because we're dissatisfied with Him and what He has given to us. Well, we see that this, this wicked son of this righteous father, he goes and he commits adultery. In thought and in behavior. I mean, he looks, he, he desires, he covets, <laughs> and then he commits the act. Isn't that what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. <laughs> you see, the Pharisees once again, they were missing, missing the intent of the law. The intent of the law was not just to govern their, their actions. <laughs> but they must have a circumcised heart as well. A heart that has the filth and the dross cut away. The stony heart broken and removed and given a heart of flesh. Well, going on, we find in verse 12 that he maybe oppresses the poor, the poor and needy. 
and as near as I can find out about this word of oppressed, it is, is to, to violently oppress. Not, not necessarily with uh, guns and what have you, but just to lay oppression upon them. It's a violent form of action to oppress the poor. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs in chapter 14. And look with me at verse 31 here. He that oppresseth the poor. He, he, that, he that makes their condition worse than it is already. They're already suffering. Don't you recognize they're already suffering? You're going on. Just trying to grow. Well, they're living day, day by day. They're living meal to meal, so to speak. Day by day. He that oppresseth the poor, to oppress the poor, to increase his, his, his condition that he's already in, reproacheth his maker. You reproach God. <laughs> This wicked, this wicked son of the righteous father, he, he's oppressing the poor, and in, in oppressing the poor, he, he's reproaching his maker, his creator, the Lord God. But he that honoreth him hath mercy of the poor, poor on the poor. You see... <laughs> If you honor God, if you honor your maker, you'll have mercy on the poor. And in having mercy on the poor, you'll honor your creator and you honor the poor. You lift them up. You don't add to their affliction. You don't add to their misery. You don't add to their oppression. Turn with me to the book of Zechariah. book of Zechariah in chapter 7. And in verse 10. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. You see, all, the, these all are, are in misery already. You don't need to add to their misery. You don't need to add to their oppression. And oppress not, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. <laughs> and that's a wicked person. That does that. It's a wicked person that, that treads upon his fellow man. And yes, to steal and rob, to, to commit adultery, is to tread upon your fellow man. 
You have no care. You have no concern. You have no honor in your heart for your fellow man. Well, goes on. Verse 13. He said he withholds the pledge. <laughs> you know, You ever been required to put down a down payment? But if you don't follow through, you lose your down payment? That's wickedness. That's an abomination before the Lord. That's what this fellow is guilty of. Not returning that pledge. A down payment is a pledge. It's a it, it's a pledge that, that that you intend to to purchase to go through with whatever you've contracted to do, and the deal falls through, and this wicked son of the righteous father doesn't return him. His pledge. Also in verse 13, we see that the, the thought of him uh, turning to false gods, to idolatry, uh, it, it's the thought of, of, it looks to false gods for, for help. <laughs> How foolish. That which, which you have, which a, a, a Bible example, which the goldsmith has made, which the silversmith has made, which the carpenter taking a piece of wood and, and sculpting, he had to make it. And once it's made, it, if I set it right there and no one comes along and moves it, it's going to be right there a year from now. It's going to be right there a hundred years from now. It's going to be right there a thousand years from now. Because it can't move itself. But yet this wicked son of the righteous father is so foolish as to turn to them for help in his time of need. To pray to the sun or to the moon god or to Pleiades or Orion, the constellations that are in the stars. They're right where God placed them, and they're doing the work that God created them to do, and nothing more. They can't help you. He's unjust. Also, in verse 13, he's unjust in charging of interest. That is, they were forbidden. We seen last week, they were forbidden to charge interest. 
of their brother. They were forbidden to charge interest of their family members. How evil, how wicked it is. And I've known men that, that oh, their family wasn't exempt from, from charging interest. They, they borrow money, they're going to pay interest too. How wicked. How evil. How wicked, how evil it is for, for Christian brothers and sisters in Christ to loan to another brother and charge them interest. And then the thought was also, as we brought out last week, was, was to, to charge an excessive amount of interest to individuals, maybe even family members. The scoundrels, especially the strangers. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs in chapter 16. Book of Proverbs, chapter 16, and verse 8. Better is a little. Let us get that into our minds. Better is a little with righteousness. Better is a little and, and, and doing righteousness, walking in the paths of righteousness, in the paths of justice. Than great revenue without right. With great revenue that is gotten not by righteous means, not by just means, but by defrauding. Our fellow man closes up that, this verse by saying, this man walks in abominations before God. His life is, is a life of abomination before God. He is manifest that he is wicked, godless, and unbelieving. And that he is a child of the devil. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Verses 2 and 3. This is words written to the redeemed of the Lord, to those who are righteous, those who are just. But this is what they were. Wherein in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Every man until but God... Until the grace of God comes to him in mercy and love, manifesting the love of God, is a child of disobedience. 
among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as other. I tell you tonight that this wicked son of this righteous father is a child of disobedience, and he is a, a, a child of wrath, the wrath of God. And he, apart from the but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Apart from the grace of God working in his life, he'll die in his sins. He'll die a physical death, and he will die an eternal death. Eternally separated. From his creator, eternally separated from God. Next week we'll continue on looking at verses 14 through 17. We're not done. There's more examples yet in this passage of Scripture. Shall we 